Hi everyone, welcome back to Issues and Social Stratification. This is part two of this week's lecture. The, this podcast focuses on the week's assigned readings, which were the first two chapters of Gruski's edited book titled Social Stratification, Class, Race, and Gender in Sociological Perspective. Um, so just to note that Gruski should be cited in any future use, to, uh, use of the notes that I'm going to post online. In all complex societies, resources are distributed unequally, with the most privileged individuals, families, and corporations, and countries enjoying a disproportionate share of income, power, and other valued resources. This disproportionate distribution illustrates systems of social inequality or stratification. The stratification system, therefore, refers to the complex of social institutions that generates these inequalities. Inequalities and systems of stratification that privilege certain individuals in social locations over others are well known. As Gruski points out, inequality is not an enigma or a puzzle. We know about it. We know it exists. Sophisticated infrastructure exists to monitor and measure trends in inequality. Debates in discrimination, segregation, social mobility, and class have been resolved and are well, well understood. And substantial headway has been made in areas of understanding poverty and other types of inequality. Yet this understanding of inequality often exists within a language of compassionate indifference particularly within the mainstream setting, and a collective decision to not undertake the well-known institutional reforms necessary to reduce them. So we know about inequality yet, and we know how to fix it, yet we're not doing anything to do that. Further, the conversational and mainstream narrative surrounding inequality often shifts away from stratification systems. So variations of simplified understandings or the phrase, you know, we've come a long way tends to underlie conversational as well as institutional narratives to describe the state of being and being and existing within Canada, the United States and globally. This phrase or this uh, simplified understanding is used to delineate changes made within areas of health and technology and areas of inequality, including gender, race, class, sexuality, and other social locations and structures. Overall, a preoccupation exists within mainstream, mainstream society with illustrating how far we've come and downplaying or naturalizing, naturalizing areas that have fallen short. However, Gruski's work, along with the work of others and experiences that we will learn about throughout this course, point to the opposite, that we have not come a long way. In fact, recent actions of uh, white supremacists, violence against indigenous women, and the rollback on trans rights in the US healthcare system all illustrate that much has remained the same in terms of experiences of inequality and the stratification of people. As we have seen, areas of stratification and resulting experiences of inequality do not exist within a teleological framework where positive changes in inequality naturally evolve. While this idea 
or simplified understanding of we've come a long way seems to signify a constant progression towards equality. We know that from lived experiences that rights are not guaranteed, they do not follow a natural timeline and can be taken away or are continually being fought for. There is, while, for instance, while gender may seem like something that we are, gender equality might seem like something that we are naturally moving towards, this is continually being fought for, rights are not guaranteed, and they have not followed a natural timeline. And further, rights can be taken away. As a result, mechanisms of stratification continue to not only be reproduced, but often naturalized within spaces that we occupy. The work, such as the workplace, the family, schools, neighborhood, and healthcare. So, things, um, mechanisms of stratification, race and gender, these tend to be naturalized within these spaces, meaning they are seen um, as natural, naturally occurring or normal. So, keeping this in mind. The chapters we looked at this week outline some of the most important questions and stories guiding the field of poverty and equality, um, which the remainder of the podcast will address. The readings uh, that we looked at today outline some basic concepts used to describe the amount and structure of inequality, its genesis and persistence, and its effects on social behavior. Some key components of the stratification system are, one, the institutional processes that define types of goods as valuable, two, the rules of allocation that distribute these goods across various jobs or occupations in the division of labor, and three, the mobility mechanisms that link individual jobs. So inequality, therefore, is produced by two processes. The social roles in society are first matched to reward packages of unequal value. And second, the individual members of society are then allocated into these positions. The critical of how this shapes inequality is that while individuals are constantly in flux as people enter the labor market, leave the labor market, people are always moving in and out, but the positions themselves that individuals can occupy and their reward packages attached to these positions tend to be more stable or change only gradually or infrequently. The rewards that these two matching processes um, have are multidimensional and range from economic rewards like wealth and income to power, uh, like household or workplace authority or political power uh, to civil assets of being franchised and the rights to work. Table 1.1 in your readings outlines some of these different rewards uh, like economic rewards and um, the examples of types of assets. So for, for example under economic rewards the type of asset might be wealth or income. So the stratification field has developed a vocabulary for describing how assets like wealth and income um, and resources and rewards, which are all described as the raw materials of the stratification system, are distributed among populations. 
So just to reiterate, the stratification field ha does have a way for talking about how these assets are distributed among populations and why and how this contributes to inequality. So this, this kind of language for talking about inequality centers around the overall amount of inequality. So uh, the overall amount of inequality in any given resource, for example, income or household authority, is defined by its dispersion or concentration among individuals in that population. The second part of understanding or describing how assets and resources are distributed is looking at the extent that individuals are locked into this into positions. So you have your overall amount of inequality as well as the extent that individuals are locked into positions. So this, this idea of being locked into positions is the rigidity of a stratification system. And this rigidity is reflected in the social standing of its members. So a stratification system is rigid if resources like wealth or power can be accurately predicted based on prior status of um, prior status individuals have or prior status of their parents. The third aspect of this distribution is the extent that ascribed traits are used for purposes of this allocation of, re of rewards. So what this means is that the stratification system rests on ascriptive processes to the extent that conditions present at birth, like race, sex, or wealth, influence the social standing of individuals. Finally, the distribution process is discussed in terms of the degree that various dimensions of inequality cohere, cohere or are crystallized. So the degree of crystallization is reflected in correlations among various resources. Um, if correlations are strong, for instance, uh, the degree to which those that have economic, high economic rewards also have power-based rewards, and the degree to which those that have fewer economic rewards also have uh, fewer power-based rewards. So just a kind of a reminder or a summary. Um, the key components of the stratification system are um, the overall amount of inequality, the extent that individuals are locked into their these positions, so the rigidity, rigidity of the stratification system, the extent that ascribed traits are used as purposes for this allocation, and the degree to which various dimensions of inequality are related. Okay, so those are some basic concepts, um, and you, uh, I will post the script or give you some notes online that you can uh, follow along with that or look back on if you'd like. Um, but those are some of the basic concepts that are used in the field of stratification to describe the amount and the structure of inequality, its genesis, and its effects on social behavior. So now we're going to look at some core fields of inquir inquiry. And you are not, I'm not expecting you to have all of these memorized or anything. This is just for your understanding. Um, and I know some of the language um, is kind of complicated and hard to understand. So that's why if, um, 
if just listening isn't enough, I would encourage you to kind of uh, read the notes or follow along. So the first core field within the field of social inequality is looking, looks at the functions and dysfunctions of inequality. So this tradition emphasizes that some forms of inequality have a positive effect of uh, inducing, so they have a positive effect of inducing the most qualified workers to take on the important jobs and of incentivizing people to work hard and innovate. The implication is that equality could reduce output and potentially leave everyone worse off because there is no incentive to um, to work hard and innovate and there is no requirements of having the most qualified workers on important jobs. Th so this trade-off, it's called a trade-off thesis, implies that inequality is functional only insofar that it deals delivers the proper incentives. Therefore, so within this understanding, the idea is that regimes where some inequality is present, um, this might function as a type of incentive, whereas high inequality regimes that reflect almost winner-take-all formats would not be functional or efficient, as they could have decentivizing impact. So this um, field focuses on inequality in terms of its function and its dysfunctions. The second field looks at inequality from a comparative perspective. So this includes looking at historical and cross-national variability in the type of assets that underlie inequality like power, prestige, economic resources, the extent to which opportunities vary by social origins and other ascriptive traits, and the ideologies that legitimate prevailing inequalities. The third common field of stratification examines the structures of inequality, or as your text puts it, the takeoff. Lesser is known about the structure of inequality, for instance, how big social classes are and how to draw boundaries around them, and what assets underlie each class. In fact, many class models and alternative to these models have existed within the field of stratification. Your reading um, goes into more detail about these models under the section measuring inequality. The next core field is the ruling class, elite, and upper class. This field is aimed at understanding how power and advantage can be organized and at understanding the structure of elites and the upper class in capitalist and formerly socialist societies. The bottom of the class structure is the next core field of inequality, whereas scholars looking at elites tend to focus on power struggles among competing factors. Scholars of poverty focus on external forces that affect poverty and other experiences of inequality. These factors range from impersonal economic factors like globalization that have eliminated manufacturing jobs uh, to redistrib redistributive programs within countries um, to high incarcerate, incarceration rates among racialized people, the role of poverty in accessing jobs, school and other neighborhood assets, childhood stress, and others. The next field of inequality focuses on understanding and explaining who gets ahead or the idea of social mobility. So there is a distinction between 
there's a distinction between the distribution of social rewards like income and the distribution of opportunities for securing those re rewards. So you have both the distribution of rewards as well as the distribution of opportunities for securing those rewards. In general, sociologists have frequently found that Americans and Canadians as well tolerate a, substanti a substantial amount of inequalities in power, wealth, and prestige as long as they feel like the competition for securing these rewards, so the distribution of rewards, is fair and distributed equally. So overall, the idea of rewarding the winners and punishing the losers is generally accepted as long as it's felt that the distribution of opportunities is fair. Though it was once believed that all forms of ascription would eventually fade out to reflect systems based on efficiency and egalitarianism, which we will um, touch on in a little bit. Because form, ascription, forms of ascription like gender and race reflect a caste-like system and they were also incompatible with the moral commitment to running an equal opportunity society, it was assumed that these um, systems would eventually fade away. However, the next two core fields that I'm going to just touch on illustrate the persistence of many forms of, of ascription. So the first, um, of these two core fields is looking at racial and ethnic inequality. Race, racial and ethnic inequalities make up, um, so they're the next core field, and they're described by Gruski as the most profound form of ascription in the U.S. and arguably in Canada and many other countries as well. So this field looks at many areas, including understanding how the classification schemes of black and white and indigenous Asian are constructed and reconstructed over time, as well as how newly entering groups are sorted into racial and ethnic systems within host countries. Further, it also looks at the role of issues of discrimination and white supremacy in perpetuating disadvantage and privilege and the forces of change or stability in racial and ethnic forms of inequality. Another core field and form of ascription that intersects with social origins, race, and many other social locations is gender. Now, gender continues to play a predominant role within families and within the workplace. What is normally classified as the gender division of labor. The next core field looks at the consequences of inequality. Contemporary research tends to emphasize the micro-level consequences or the effects of inequality on the individual, including the individual social position and individual outcomes. This is um, this kind of individual focus is really my area of interest, uh, but it's aimed at understanding what all these fields or areas of inequality actually mean for the people who are experiencing them. However, the classical literature tends to focus on more macro-level effects of inequality. Finally, the last core field is the future of inequality. While there has been substantial headway in the questions of causes of different forms of inequality, stratification scholarship has had less success in terms of predicting inequality developments. This is particularly evident in the unprecedented takeoff of income inequality um, that largely began in the 1970s and the stalling of gender equalizing trends. Uh, so the lack of explanation towards both of these.
So that gives you some insight into the raw materials of inequality, the basic concepts that underlie the analysis of inequality, and the questions that have occupied um, scholars of within this field of inequality. So now I am going to briefly look at the stories that have um, and that have and continue to be told within the field of social inequality. So consensus exists among academics, policymakers, and even politicians that inequality and poverty are important social issues that have become increasingly important, increasingly of interest due to their substantial economic, social, and political impacts, both nationally and globally. The reasons for this increased interest are many. So some of these reasons include the spectacular increase in income inequality nationally and globally that I've touched on, the, the persistence of many non-economic forms of inequality, like gender and race inequality, the concern that poverty and inequality may have macro-level effects, on, such as uh, impacts on terrorism, Awareness of individual level effects of poverty on areas of health, political participation, and other life conditions. The visibility of regional disparities in the standard of living are apparently becoming more and more apparent. The exposure and continued tendency to delegitimate other forms of inequalities like sexual equality, inequalities in sexual orientation, abilities, and citizenship. The confluence of recent events like the Oka crisis in the 1990s, Hurricane Katrina, um, the recent recession, COVID, and the murder of George Floyd, all of these events um, have increased interest in looking at the field of social inequality, as well as the growing commitment to the idea of human entitlements that at a minimum, individuals have the right to seek or secure employment to be uh, kind of spared extreme deprivation. So overall, contemporary sociological interest in areas of inequality tend to stem from realization of the profound negative consequences and threats inequality poses for the world community as a whole. So that is kind of where contemporary, contemporary interest in social inequality stems from. However, your text goes over some other more benign orientations to poverty and inequality that have had an important role within the field of inequality, so within the, um, within the development of this field. These narratives are described as benign in that they, in that, um, they really maintained the idea that inequality would naturally erode over time. So these are kind of narratives that are associated with um, kind of the early development of the social inequality field. So for instance, the dominant benign narrative that emerged post-war, so post-World War II, was the emergence of egalitarian ideologies and the delegitimization of extreme forms of inequality. The idea was that as societies naturally become more egalitarian and as caste-like systems of race and gender fade out due to their inefficiency, inequality would naturally decline over time. A related narrative was that inequality of opportunity would similarly erode. 
So this narrative rested on the distinction between the distribution of social rewards and the distribution of opportunities for securing those rewards that I touched on previously, where inequalities are fine so long as the distribution of opportunities for securing those rewards is fair. So this narrative rested on the assumption that inequality of opportunity were inequalities of opportunity were gradually weakening and therefore inequality emerged due to individual shortcomings not shortcomings not shortcomings of the system the final benign narrative that emerged post-war post-world war ii was the assumption that the lumpy class-based labor market um, that looked like lower class middle class upper class would naturally fade away and eventually dissipate and leave behind a gradational labor market that approximated a seamless neoclassical idea. All of these narratives which emerged post-World War II described the emergence of a world defined by less inequality, more equal distribution of opportunities, and um, the erasure or the attenuation of class conflicts and interclass difference. They're benign in the sense that these narratives are built on the teleological assumption of natural evolving inequality, that what should be, will be. Although these benign narratives still motivate research and provide a backdrop for current theorizing, the assumption of gradual weakening of inequality over time as a natural process of the labor market has largely, fall largely fallen out of fashion. Instead, new approaches to studying inequality tend to focus on the lack of change within areas of inequality, the persistence, and in many ways, the increased levels in, of inequality. So your text outlines three related approaches within contemporary study of any, within the contemporary study of inequality. First, contemporary analysis of social inequality often focuses on new and multidimensional forms of inequality. New areas of inequality like sexual orientation and abilities and how these intersect within economic and other forms of rewards have been ignored in the past. And scholars and theorists in fields, uh, fields of feminism, queer theory, critical race theory, and others have long critiqued the class-centric approach to understanding inequality that sociology has taken. Instead, contemporary approaches to studying inequality push for multidimensional understanding that examines the intersectionality of these various social locations and the complexity of, of lived experiences. Further, inequalities that have spawned from new technologies and inequalities that have emerged within new institutions or sectors of the economy also contribute to a multidimensional context that needs to be taken into consideration. A related approach within um, the contemporary field, a, re a related approach within the contemporary field of inequality, is documenting the persistence of inequality, whereas old narratives, um, the benign narratives that I mentioned, focused on the forces that were lessening inequality. Contemporary research tends to show how inequality has persisted at higher levels than anticipated. For instance, racialized residential segregation remains extreme. 
racial discrimination in the labor markets is similarly, similarly extreme. The occupational structure continues to be hyper-segregated by gender. Income inequality has increased exponentially, and massive class and race disparities in access to healthcare persists, among many other examples of this uh, persistence of inequality. Finally, the third related approach to inequality that has gained interest is explaining why inequality has persisted or grown more extreme over time. Okay, so that is all we're going to look at for today. Make sure you read your readings for a more in-depth look at these concepts and uh, at the fields of inequality. And I will see you all on Thursday.